Hi there, it's G Money or George, and welcome to Ninja on the Loose. Uh, this podcast is actually a requested podcast. It's on a subject about sister cities, and it was uh, suggested by a friend of mine who I'll be talking about here in just a moment, but uh, before I get to the particular story of uh, our sister city and how that happened, I want to kind of give you a little bit of history about the sister city and twin town program as it already exists. It's not an uncommon event. In fact, you probably live in a community where you have a sister city and you may not even know it. Or maybe you're quite aware of it. Uh, I'll get on that uh, and touch on these particular points uh, throughout this podcast as well. But the history of sister cities and twin towns actually goes back well over a century ago in Europe. And actually has become quite a, a common event throughout the world. In the United States, the actual sister city program formally began in 1956. Now, a sister city, if you're not too sure what it is... It's uh, pretty much a legal or a social agreement, uh, which is between two different locations in uh, two different geographic areas. Uh, The idea is to promote cultural and commercial ties, friendships, things like this. Now, the modern concept of um, the Sister City program, which was intended to foster friendship and understanding, uh, came into being in 1947, shortly after the Second World War main reason for this was it was meant as an act of peace and reconciliation between former foes. In recent years, trade and tourism have kind of become part of the foundation. Now, I understand this completely because uh, I live in British Columbia, southern British Columbia, and uh, the communities I've lived in, in this region, and I think most of the larger centers in British Columbia, each have sister cities. The majority of them have sister cities with communities and cities in Japan. And I don't know when those started, but I'm going to hint that this is part of that reconciliation program that came about after the Second World War. I know uh, two of the bigger cities that I've lived in, in British Columbia, actually have Japanese gardens uh, near the city hall or somewhere significant uh, in honor of their Japanese sister city. Now, I don't have a problem with having a Japanese sister city. Uh, The community I live in, in southern British Columbia I currently live in, is a small town of a population of about 2,500, trading area of about 5,000. We have a Japanese sister city as well. The thing for me, though, is I really don't think it's very likely I'm ever going to visit that city. So when the sister city program changed in this region and i'm going to guess it was in the 1980s that uh, the regional district or somebody in this region uh, decided you know we should probably try to have sister cities that are closer to us and i can tell you that from some of my research i've discovered that uh, many border towns in southern british columbia have sister cities of communities just over the border for example uh, cranbrook british columbia has a sister city in idaho Coeur d'Alene. 
Uh, Asuyus, British Columbia, has a sister city just over the border. I live in Princeton, British Columbia, and our sister city is in Tenasket, Washington. And I could tell you the story about this because I was involved in this. So, here we go. Here's the history of our sister city relationship, and I do have a point I'm going for here, and it's related to how to maintain a sister city relationship. But let me give you a little of the history of ours. In March of 1987, a group of people got together and formed a sister city relationship between Tenasket, Washington, and Princeton, British Columbia. I was part of the Princeton delegation, and I could tell you, at the time, it was uh, our mayor, a couple of uh, officials from our local rodeo club, and a couple of members of the media. That was why I went. I was a member of the media. And that was all that went down to this meeting over the border. The impression we had at the time was that it was going to be, you know, a meeting to discuss possibly connecting with the two communities. The The main commonality between the two communities was rodeos. The rodeo club in Tenasket and the rodeo club in Princeton, I'm led to believe, had already connected in a few ways, you know, going back and forth between the two events. Uh, the Tenasket rodeo having been around for many years, the Princeton rodeo having been fairly new but having a long history of rodeo, and that seemed to be the common denominator between the two communities. So I think that's what made it make sense as a connection for a sister city. So I go down, uh, this again, March 1987. Uh, I went down with uh, the other media person, a lady named Don, who ended up playing a big role in my uh, life in the years following. But Don and I went down. She represented a local newspaper. I represented a local radio station. <clears throat> we went down to cover this event. Uh, what we didn't expect was that the people in Tenasca had already chosen us as their sister city. And when we got down there, it was a big celebration. Like, poof, we were their sister city. There was no getting away from it. And it was great because my memory seems to recall that there was a huge delegation of people. And I seem to recall this actually took place in Loomis, uh, Washington, which is a small community near Tenasket. I seem to recall this was where the actual agreement, if you will, was formalized. And it was formalized over some uh, liquid beverages. And the two rodeo clubs uh, hit it off extremely well and started what was known at that time as the International Pony Express Ride. The deal was that uh, horses and riders would transport a bag of mail from one location to the other location, fostering goodwill and uh, international friendship between the two communities and it was done between the rodeo events of both uh, communities because Princeton's rodeo was in late May and uh, Tenasket's rodeo was typically the first weekend of June, still is, and so it just kind of worked to do it at that time of year to kind of cross-promote the two events international uh, promotion, international attention, like everybody pretty much in the Pacific Northwest and in other parts of the world knew that these two communities were sister cities because of this particular event, the Pony Express Ride. Now, I'll tell you, Tenasket is only 100 miles away from Princeton. It's not far when you think about it. And I think that's what made the sister city relationship successful because it's not that far for any of us to go. 
Uh, I can tell you I used to go frequently to Tenasket uh, in the early years. I would attend their rodeo and I would attend, uh, they had a logger sports event in September, which coincided with the logger sports event that used to be held here. And so there was a couple of reasons for me to go. Made a couple of friends when I was down there, and so there was a reason to go. I felt comfortable, and at the time, pr- pretty much everybody was tuned in to the fact that there was a sister city relationship. Uh, over the years, uh, my interest waned, my life changed, you know, things happen, right? Uh, then all of a sudden, you needed a passport to get over the border, and it wasn't as easy to get over the border anymore, which is really, in actual fact, just an excuse. It's not really a reason. So I in- ended up uh, bumping into and meeting. The uh, current mayor of Tenaskets, this goes back now three summers ago, at uh, our local um, summer event, and uh, we hit it off. And, you know, uh, I kind of told him a bit of the history of my connection with the Sister City program. Uh, he was big on the Sister City program, and uh, my wife and I ended up starting to resurrect our interest in this particular event. My wife had never been down there as part of the Sister City program before, so it was kind of fun for her. And we've ended up making new friends and uh, make uh, annual trips to our Sister City, but not just once a year. Um, Last year we went down three times. I know it sounds like, oh wow, three times, you're only 100 miles apart. Well, it is a foreign country, let's be serious about this. And there is an exchange rate, and there is other things that you have to consider. But that being said, uh, we typically go down for their rodeo each year, and we go down for their winter fest, which is the first weekend in December, uh, which happens to fall typically on the weekend of my birthday. So it's kind of a fun reason for us to go down. Uh, and uh, sometimes we'll go down at a different time of year, late fall, when there's nothing, no events going on, so we could just kind of hang out and have some fun. Uh, as I said, we've made friends down there, and uh, we feel quite welcome, and it's a lot of fun. But uh, it's not well known for some reason. I, 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 it kind of bothers me that the relationship is still only in a, a group. It's not a big, uh, well-known entity for some reason. And uh, I, I think I have a couple of ideas as to why it isn't. And I, and I have a top five list here on how to actually maintain a sister city relationship, which will hopefully help uh, communities uh, who have sister cities, or if you're part of a community that's looking to do this, these are ideas that might just help. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm a member of the Chamber of Commerce. I'm actually... I have a Chamber of Commerce membership in our sister city, but I'm also the vice president of our local Chamber of Commerce. And so to me, I see value in this cultural connection. Uh, and, and again, like I said, also my wife and I have made some friends down there too. So that to us, we have kind of a vested interest in it. I could tell you one of the parades we attended um, when I had uh, my newspaper business, we actually entered the parade in Tenasket. Uh, I'm going to say this was probably two years ago. And I walked the route handing out copies of my newspaper and was actually quite surprised by how many people from our community were down there. So, I mean, the rodeo thing has certainly fostered a lot of connections between the two communities. However, when my wife and I go down for the Winterfest, uh, with the exception of one year, uh, we're typically the only two people from our community down there. That doesn't bother me a lot, but it just tells me that there needs to be some more understanding between the two communities. I don't know how you do that, but um, that being said, we like it. 
we really like the connection and we're quite happy to be part of it and uh, that's my history as to how I got connected into this particular sister city relationship. So let's look at my top five list. Let's see if this works. Uh, number... Oh, I've numbered these wrong. I usually go five to one. I've done this another way around. Okay, so let's let's uh, let's do a quick edit here. So I'll change the numbers here on the fly. And okay, here we go. Number five. Uh, I think this is the the key between our sister city relationship. Uh, you first form with a group where there's a commonality. Okay, so as I said, between our two communities, it's the rodeo clubs that actually did the formation. And that's where the strongest ties are, is between the two rodeo clubs. So if you're looking to connect with a sister city program of some kind, find a community nearby that has a commonality to you in some way, shape, or form, and use that as the foundation to start the building. And then spread it out from there. You know, try to get other connections if you can. Uh, number four, uh, encourage participation year-round. And this is, I think, the problem with our community. Uh, and I'm pointing primarily at our community leaders. Uh, I, I realize they have a lot of work to do to run the community, but I think they see the sister city relationship as not much more than a token thing. And so they will do the token appearances. Uh, I think uh, in order to maintain any kind of relationship, you have to be in people's faces a little more than just the token events, right? So I think that's an important tip is to somehow encourage year-round participation. Uh, tip number three, and this helps with the year-round participation, is to connect on social media. And uh, this keeps you up to date on what's going on with the people in your sister city, the sister city itself. And it keeps you up to date. And I can tell you, like my wife and I, we've made a lot of connections through social media. Uh, this is one of the good things about social media, that uh, we've been able to actually keep really connected to uh, people in our sister city and our sister city itself because uh, we pay attention to what's going on down there and for me I think that's very important that uh, the connection is made in the early years when I first became part of the sister city program uh, for our community back in March 1986 as I've said social media did not exist or at least not to the extent it is now and so it was very difficult to keep those ties together nowadays it's much much easier and uh, I think there's no reason not to make that connection stronger because the tools are there to do that you just have to use them tip number two uh, I think one thing that would really help on both ends, especially if you're trying to foster goodwill and uh, friendship between two completely different communities, is to offer incentives to the people from your sister city when they shop in your community, uh, whether that's uh, you know discounts on hotel rooms or discounts on meals or something, or a passport program of some kind where they wave a passport and everyone in the community recognizes that as, oh, you're from our sister city, you get five bucks off or whatever the case may be. I think something like that would be very beneficial, and it might actually encourage more participation from residents going to each other's sister city. Again, like I said, uh, there's times in the year where we bump into more people from our own community in our sister city than we do uh, rest of the year, and uh, then there's times we go to our sister city and we're the only people from our community there. And I know it's timing and things like that, but uh, I think incentives would make it a lot more attractive for some people 
people. We still go down. I mean, we're happy to go down. The exchange rate is, is always a bit of an issue to us, but we always budget and plan for it. You know, typically we'll, we'll do a hotel room while we're there and just, you know, we like to just kind of hang out. And uh, to us, it's a great place. We know a good place to eat. We know a good place for breakfast. We we hang out in certain areas. We participate as best we can in some of the uh, events that are there. We attend bazaars and book sales and whatever it is that's going on in our sister city the weekend we're there. We try to hit every single event, and uh, it's it's important to us because it keeps us connected. I don't know how many people there recognize that we're from the sister city. We usually talk it up whenever we go, but uh, for us, in our minds, we're doing our part to make that connection strong. And uh, my final point, point number one, is you have to make your community aware of that connection, and that's in every single possible way. So I'm thinking uh, website links, uh, signs that say, you know, Princeton welcomes Tenasket or Tenasket welcomes Princeton or whatever your sister city is. Um, there's no shortage of ways to spread and share that connection, even maybe even on, on, on official letterhead. Somewhere on the bottom have, uh, you know, our official sister city is or uh, sister city two or whatever. Uh, in fact, I'm going to uh, put a link to the websites of our sister city in the program notes to this podcast just to spread the word a little bit and it's also got me thinking that I should try to put links to their websites uh, also on some of my other online projects as well just to help spread that connection and I think you know like I said it's not really rocket science if you have a sister city you know you look at any kind of sibling relationship okay I have a younger brother um we don't always get along. We're not always in contact. He lives a long ways away from where I am. But, you know, there's that tie. And, you know, there's ways of making that tie strong and ways of just not letting that tie go. And even when you're not in contact for periods of time, that connection is still there. A lot of people are aware of the fact that he and I are brothers. So if you look at sister cities, I think you have to kind of view them as siblings as well. And yeah, there's times when you're going to talk about them a lot, and there's times when you're not. And I think the whole connection here is to just make people aware of the fact that you're there, and that you want your friends from your other community to frequent your place and if you treat them nicely and make them feel welcome that'll happen Uh, that's one of the reasons why brenda and i go to our sister city is because we do feel welcome there Uh, there are times we have to explain to people that we're from your sister city and that's always going to be the case I, i understand that but there's some faces that are familiar to us, and we know we're familiar to some faces that we may not even know their names, but uh, some people are starting to say, oh yeah, you're from our sister city. And when people say that, um, I know that the job has been done, that we've made that connection just a little stronger, and I think it's important to do those kind of things, is just to try to make it stronger, and the stronger that connection is, the longer it'll go, right? Um Like I said, there was a period of time where I think the sister cities uh, between uh, our communities kind of waned. The interest kind of dipped. And uh, and thankfully, the the mayor of Tenasket, Patrick Plum, uh, took it upon himself to resurrect this or, you know, 
get it in people's faces again. That's what inspired me to get involved again, too, was just Patrick's enthusiasm. And I think uh, because he's a community leader, it carries some more weight. And as I said, community leaders need to be involved in this more so than as a token relationship. And Patrick has certainly taken us on as far more than a token relationship. I have too. So it's important to do those things to maintain that kind of relationship, any kind of relationship, really. So hopefully this has been helpful. Uh, It's a bit of a different direction for this podcast, but uh, it was a request. And uh, so there you go. I think I have fulfilled my request. I'm George. You can call me G-Money. It's Ninja on the Loose. And thanks a lot for listening. And I'll have another one for you in a week. Bye.